Welcome, everyone, to the Farm CPA podcast presented by Top Producer. I am your host, Paul Niefer, and today we're joined uh, by Kevin Engel from, uh, I think, is it the Shenandoah Valley of, of Virginia? Is that where you're located at, Kevin? No, sir. We're located north of Richmond. Uh, oh, Virginia. well, then I'm totally messed up. That's not the first time I've been messed up. So, <laughs> so how, far, how far north of Richmond would you be located at? We're, we're about 16 miles north of Richmond is our base. Okay. That's our base. Okay. Um, well, our, I, I'm going to tell you, your, spreads your, out. your weather is going to be better than mine. As we tape this, I am headed from Iowa City, Iowa, up to Minnesota. And I think there's supposed to be like six to eight inches of snow tonight. So I'm going to have a fun time driving. I, I don't think where you're located at, you have six to eight inches of snow, do you? No, sir. Not right now. We've got... Uh, no problem seeing the ground and uh, <laughs> okay. good visibility today. So well, I wish uh, you well in your efforts and safety. Well, my my wife back home, she texted me a couple photos last night. And we got about two or three inches of snow overnight, so it wasn't too bad. But uh, uh, but she's already told me that we have to buy a little small snowblower for our deck. We get a whole bunch of snow on our deck, and she says, "I reached the age I'm not going to go out there and shovel it off. I want a little snowblower." And I said, "That's fine, honey. You can do whatever you want to." <laughs> So uh, now, yeah. Kevin, you and your farm operation are a top producer candidate for this year. And uh, and I've done a, a podcast with the other two candidates. And again, as I've said many, many times, essentially, there will be one final winner, but all three of you are winners. You, you've all done a really good job of being great farmers. And I just want to commend you for that. Well, thank you, Paul. And I, I really... Uh, appreciate being nominated and I consider it and hold it as a very high honor. I appreciate it very much. And by the time the people, the listeners hear this, we'll know who the winner is right now as we tape this. Uh, I just definitely don't know who the winner is. And I, I like it that way. I like to be yeah, somewhat surprised uh, uh, when we have the dinner on Tuesday night. So let's, as we do with all of our podcasts, when we're talking with farmers, let's go ahead and get your background, maybe your education, where you grew up, uh, how you got started in farming and all that good stuff. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed in many ways. My father has uh, roots in South Central Illinois. That's where my mom and dad came from. And my dad moved out here in 1949 in Virginia to manage a farm. And he had a career in farm management of several large farms. And I grew up on the last one he managed in King William County and uh, was just very involved in that operation. Couldn't wait to get home from school and get started uh, working and, and just really enjoyed it. It was pretty diversified. It had grain and had irrigation and had uh, beef cattle, brood cows, and uh, we raised a lot of pigs there as well. And, and uh, had an apple orchard and just, you know, lots of diversity and uh, high maintenance farm as well. So got a lot of experience with maintaining property and buildings and and that kind of thing. So got a lot of education there and uh, um, and and then went on to uh, VCU for 
Virginia Commonwealth University for business management after high school. And uh, then when I was in my junior year in that, I started farming on my own a little bit as well on uh, the farm that was known as the Meadow Farm in Doswell, Virginia. I had an opportunity to rent some of that, which is the farm that uh, Reva Ridge and Secretariat, the horse race, race the horse famous horses that uh, grew up there on that farm. Oh, damn, so, yeah. Let's see, Secretary, was it there? It was the winter in 1973. Does that sound about right? Yes, sir. Or, this is the okay. 50th anniversary of Secretariat winning the Triple Crown. And uh, I think that last race, it won by, what, 30 lengths or something? I still have seen that video many times where she it is just blowing past everybody and keeps uh, extending the lead. That's right. That was the one race that it got out of its uh, lackadaisical mode and just took off. Because they, <laughs> they kept saying on all the races before that uh, it was just playing. It really wasn't trying, but that race it actually tried. <laughs> well, good, good for it, good for it. So, so your your dad then really wasn't didn't have a farm operation for a lot of his career. So, did he actually end up? starting a farm or were you the one that started the farm I'm, I'm curious on that i was the one that started the farm and then uh when his last farm management job came to an end uh, he came and helped me uh build and and worked hard every day until he uh until he couldn't and uh was so when did tremendous help to me so what year then was the the really the start of your farming career then? I guess that would have been your junior year in college, but how, how long ago was that? It was 1982. Okay, okay. So, so 41 years ago. Well, years you ago. and I, I'm going to guess, are almost exactly the same age then. So matter of fact, as we tape this, today is my birthday. So oh, I won't man. tell you how many years, but you could probably guess uh, about what it might be. So we'll, we'll, we'll leave it at that. So. Well, happy birthday. Well, thank you. Thank you. So on your current operation, what is the uh, size and the type of crops you grow and, and, and so on? Well, we grow uh, a lot of yellow corn and white corn. Uh, both are used for uh, flour milling. A lot of the different flour mills in Virginia and North Carolina and a few in Pennsylvania use our corn products for for uh, corn flour milling. Uh, we grow some yellow corn and rye and wheat for some distilleries. And um, we'll come back to the distilleries maybe a little bit later, but we do we do keep some corn uh, identity preserved for that. Uh, of course, we grow a lot of corn for uh, poultry production and hog production, dairy, uh, Virginia is blessed with uh, some good bases for crops because we are very much a grain deficit state. There's a lot of livestock in the state. Yep. And uh, so that helps us a great deal on our basis, which we need to help compensate for some of the freight costs. But uh, uh, we grow soybeans both for feed and uh, as well as uh, seed for several seed companies. And then we uh, have started growing some soybeans also for Benson Hill, which is stationed out of St. Louis, Missouri there. And uh, 
so we're growing some beans for them as well that will actually i think the bean meal will actually end up in the country of norway feeding fish okay so things move around quite a bit these days and uh, we grow wheat for a lot of the uh, flour mills that we have here on the east coast and uh, some of the wheat occasionally gets exported too we have a pretty good size export terminal that purdue agribusiness owns in chesapeake virginia okay. um, then we grow milo as well for uh, Smithfield uh, hmm. for hog feed, and we grow rapeseed as well for Purdue for some specialty feeds that they need in their poultry mix. Um, let's see, have I missed anything? I don't think so. I think I've well, got so most then, of it. I'm guessing then in the springtime, uh, the rapeseed fields are. Uh, a little bit yellow, is that right? Because uh, it's oh, similar. Yep, yeah, yeah. I, I I flew into um, Frankfurt, Germany, back in uh, early part of May this year to meet up with my son, and just looking down on the fields, I mean, almost every field, not quite every field, but a lot of the fields was that nice, beautiful yellow color. So that's uh, it is it is pretty. Well, we have a lot of. Uh... Uh, non-ag people in our community, you know, uh, I'm, I'm certainly a minority in our area as far as being in agriculture. We have uh, about two-thirds, about 60% of the uh, U.S. population lives within 500 miles of me, so we're, we're pretty thick out here with people, and when they see these rapeseed fields in the spring, we have a lot of tourists wanting to stop and take pictures and take pictures of their families out in the fields and yeah. stuff like that. It's pretty fun. But, we uh, we had a we had a, a nice about a thousand acre field because we have some good sized fields out in uh, my neck of the woods. So actually, where I was living before I just moved here a couple months ago, and um, it was in canola this year and a beautiful stand of canola. I mean, they they got planted at the right time. We had the perfect weather, and you know it bloomed for about a full month, and it was just beautiful driving by. And like you say, you'd see people stopped on the side of the road. They got the cameras out there and. Uh, and it was the nice rolling hills, so you had the nice, uh, you know, it wasn't just a flat field of canola. You had the nice slopes, and it, it was beautiful. So yeah, yeah. And That's and only uh, farm people can get excited about that, I guess. So. <laughs> <laughs> and well, then you it, know, it's it's nice to share the beauty of of agriculture, right? Yep, it's, it's, yep, yep. It's nice. To how about uh, how about numbers of employees, and then how's your management structure? Well, altogether, um, we're uh, we have about twenty-five thousand acres of crops, and we do all of our own uh, uh, spraying. I'm sorry, I might be beeping here. I got a call coming in. I apologize. <laughs> That's okay. We uh, we do all of our own spraying and fertilizer application work, uh, lime spreading work. And we probably do, uh, I'd say 85% of our trucking. Uh, we do hire some extra trucks. Um, so we've got, you know, a lot of staff doing a lot of different things. And when you add it all up, it's about 35 to 37 people, you know, flexes right. a little bit. Um, we're spread out quite a bit from, uh, east to west in Virginia, we, we traveled 235 miles Ooh. 
and from north to south we actually farm some in north carolina as well in the central eastern part of north carolina so from north to south we travel 265 miles so there's <laughs> and a, lot of, a lot of time spent on the road <laughs> yeah a lot of windshield time i'm i'm guessing your harvest then starts what in may and goes all the way through october november with all those different crops um it, it'll start about the first of june and uh okay. then we'll finish up wheat and and rape hopefully by the fourth of july and uh and then we'll start again with corn harvest about the 20 25th of august and uh we finished milo last uh thursday oh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> we we were on a roll. We were really hoping we were going to be done by the 10th of December because we had really good weather in the early part of the fall. And uh, and then uh, about the last week of November, it started raining about every third day. And, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, just, that doesn't work very well. So <laughs> no, no. So yeah. it, it uh, got spread out a little bit. And um, you know, and so you've you've grown the operation really over that 40 year period. Has it been fairly steady or have you had like spurts along the way? I, I'm just curious on that. I would say it's more spurts, but if you if you average maybe the last six or seven years ago together, it'd be around a 10% per year growth. Uh, okay. Don't think we'll hit that this year, but uh, average them together that's kind of where we've been um, well and that's that's a little bit of the problem sometimes as you get larger to keep up that percentage gets tougher and tougher because it's just hard to find that that amount of acres right yeah, yeah. the acres so, kind of need to find you yeah 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 uh, now because of the uh, the wide area that you farm do you view that as a positive for your operation or a detriment or maybe a combination of both? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, Kevin, I you need to expand my, on that a little bit. So <laughs> I tease my Midwestern cousins. I tell them, I said, y'all, y'all would starve to death if you came out here to farm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, uh anyway we do enjoy uh, uh comparing operations a lot from virginia to illinois it's quite different and uh, but a lot of similar struggles but uh yes yeah, certainly i mean we have all kinds of of different land we have we had land at elevation of about 10 foot over sea level and we have land at elevation around 480 feet over sea level and everything in between and uh along the rivers some of the main rivers james river is, is uh kind of the main river through virginia and we have a lot of land up and down that river that's good soil uh you just got to get in and get out without a flood yeah uh, hurricane season tends to keep me up at night uh, <laughs> but certainly the diversity in the weather in the uh range that we farm is helpful because some areas won't do so good other areas will do great and hopefully it averages out for a decent year and, uh, well you, 
you mentioned a low of 10 and a high of 480. So that's about 470 feet of change. Uh, that's the elevation change on the farm I grew up on. So <laughs> okay. I have that okay. I have that on 108, 150 acre fields. So uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a little different too, isn't it? Yeah. As, sure. as you look back on, on your career, what do you think you really did the best and what do you think you did the worst as far as your, your operation? Well, I guess uh, some of the things that I can be more proud of is just uh, having my, my three adult children with all the opportunities in Virginia that there is to do other types of employment careers. They all three chose to be with my wife and I and, and, uh, and work on the farm and be part of the farming operation. So I'm, uh, I'm very, very thankful for that. I give thanks to the good Lord for that every day. And, uh, you know, there's just nothing better than being able to see your, your kids just about daily. Yeah, um, yeah, I uh, I was able to see my dad just about every day of of my life, and uh, that's a true blessing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I guess that's one of the things that I would consider a, a plus. And then uh, I would think landlord relations. You know, uh, we have over two hundred landlords, and <laughs> from many walks of life and you, you 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 treat them all with respect and and dignity uh no matter uh what walk of life they're from and uh you try to do a good job on their properties and be neat and clean and timely get in get the job done and get out so they can enjoy their property um learn what's important to them you know and and try to uh give those little extras now and then of things that's important to them, whether it be road maintenance or tree maintenance or, or uh, uh, you know, maybe they got a little project somewhere they just need some help with somebody that's got a bulldozer or a traco or something that can help them fix something. I mean, those, those little things really add up. Uh, yeah. yeah. I had a, a, an owner of a farm who bought another large farm and uh, uh, when he went to the bank, his his banker said, oh, I see you have Ingle Family Farms uh, renting your, your land. And it was a com competing uh, banker uh, with the bank that I bank with. And he asked, uh, how, how long is his lease good for? I think he was maybe shopping for some of his farmers <laughs> and uh my landlord told him until jesus comes and walks on the water again and, uh, <laughs> i felt like that was a pretty good recommendation there <laughs> that is well with, with that many landlords that's almost a full-time job isn't it just to to maintain those relationships yeah and, and i rely on my my staff to you know every one of them we we explain to them how important our landlords are and, if you, and treat them with respect, you know, speak to them. You know, yep. if you're there working, offer to let them ride in the tractor, the combine or something, you know, and yep. just, just yep. uh, 
treat them with respect. So it's it is a full time job. Uh, my daughter works at it. My secretary works at it pretty hard, Vicky, and uh, my sons work at it. And uh, and each one of my my team players out there, you know, doing the work. They work at it while they're there. So I'm proud of all of them. I remember. I remember I was reviewing a uh, annual report for a, and this is probably 15 years ago. I was looking at this annual report for a company. I think it was based in in England that had farm operations in Poland and in Ukraine, and they farmed about 50,000 acres in Ukraine, and they had 17,000 landlords. And I just thought, <laughs> man, oh man, you'd have to have like three or four or five full time people. That's all they did was dealt. <laughs> with uh, you know the landlord they had three acres you know so uh, yeah uh, but yeah. Uh, but uh, and i'm guessing you probably have very small fields you have some good sized fields what what you know versus in the midwest or maybe out in the northwest where i'm from where you know in the midwest they have those nice square shack sections where you can just drive for miles and there's a there's a square road every mile after mile after mile i don't think that probably is applicable in virginia or or no, am i sir. wrong no, you're correct. There's, uh, I tell people there is not a square field in Virginia anywhere. Yeah. All of them, all of them have some kind of shape or size to them or something. And, and we truly have every size fields from probably two acres right on up to, you know, 350. So it's a little Does bit that, of everything. Does that lead you to using smaller planters on average or, or what would be your typical planter setup then? Um, our, our smallest planters are 12 row planters, okay. you know, and 30 foot planters. And yeah, yeah it, it probably limits our planter size. We can have, uh, quite a bit. We do have one planter that's a 24 row planter, but we have to be pretty mindful of where we take it. And, yep. uh, yeah. um, and, and to, to a lot of farmers, that's still on the small side of planters. So yeah. we're not. <laughs> We're not down to six rows, but uh, 12 is kind of a good working number all around, yeah. Uh, yeah. 30 foot okay. planters and stuff. So, Well, Kevin, we're gonna go ahead and take a quick break for a sponsor message and then we'll come back. We'll talk a little bit about maybe succession plans to the next generation. Also, I think you did mention something about a distillery. So I think we'll, we'll cover that right after the break and uh, we'll go ahead and take our break now. How many years away is the long run for a farmer? Five years? Ten years? Top producers like Hans Reinchi, a blue diamond farming company in Jessup, Iowa, know Robo Agri Finance shares his enduring vision for the future. Whether it's building our grain site or if it's purchasing the next field, we're able to turn to Robo as a trusted partner to help us get financing to make those generational decisions. With unmatched financial capacity, local relationship managers and a global network of sector experts to offer market guidance. RoboAgar Finance provides enterprising farmers with a personalized approach to lending and financial services. Growing a better world together, RoboAgar Finance.
Welcome back, everyone, to the Farm CPA podcast presented by Top Producer. I am Paul Neef, your host, and we're going to rejoin our conversation with Kevin Engel from Virginia. So before we start talking about succession planning, you did mention something uh, about a distillery. Uh, I'll, I'll let you uh, chime in on that. Well, one thing uh, with things coming along and my my adult children taking a more and more active role in the farm, it, it gives me time to uh, chase a few of my hobbies. And and that's uh, that would be uh, trying to expand and diversify the farming operation and um, one of the first things thing that we're most proud of is being partners in a distillery called ragged branch distillery uh, that is in albemarle county virginia uh, just the other side of charlottesville west of charlottesville and uh, we make ragged branch bourbon there out of our grains that we produce there and there's the the, the uh, distillery has won quite a few national awards out at the uh, bourbon contest out in uh, San Francisco. And uh, I think we're in about 10 or 12 states now in distributing. And uh, year over year growth has been about 18 to 20%. So we're coming, coming right along. Uh, That's good, healthy growth. So uh, now yes. I'm, on bourbon, because I'm I'm not a bourbon drinker. Matter of fact, I don't drink too much. I don't have anything against it. I just didn't grow up drinking. Um, what what are the primary? Is it corn and wheat? Is it just corn? Is it just wheat? I'm 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 just curious what goes into making bourbon. Well, every batch is going to have a fair amount of corn in it, uh, as well as some malting barley. Okay. And then you'll finish it off with wheat or rye, depending on which one you're trying to make. Okay. Uh, okay. Or just or just straight bourbon with you know with corn. So okay. uh, we have quite a few different uh, uh, batches that we've made. Uh, some of which are, you know, it has to be aged four to five years. <coughs> uh, so uh, a lot of that we've taken out in what we call the weeded double oaked. That seems to be my favorite and most popular, where it's aged in a barrel for about three years, and then it's pulled out and rebarreled in another barrel and aged some more. And uh, that's that tends to be really nice and smooth to me. We have a uh, a special bourbon coming out this year that we identity preserve some some corn and wheat from the meadow farm. Uh, again, where Secretariat grew up, and uh, we made bourbon out of that starting about five years ago, and this year we're going to be selling a Secretariat brand bourbon. <laughs> so looking well, forward good. to that. We've got a beautiful label that's on the bottle and um, uh, commemorating uh, Secretariat's uh, 50th anniversary of winning the triple crown so we look forward to that um but that's that's just a fun thing to do a few other distilleries around to use our products and it's it just it's a good feeling to take guests that are in town you know to the tasting room or whatever yep, and yeah yeah and uh, and be yeah, able to get them to produce on these uh, barrels kevin are those charred or or not yes Okay. Yes. 
my my wife and I took a tour of the Jack Daniels distillery oh about five years ago, and that was very very interesting. I um, matter of fact, that's that's one of my favorite things is being quote a farm CPA is going around seeing excuse me seeing farm operations or seeing like that. So uh, when I come out for a visit, you'll definitely have to take me by. That's not a problem. We look forward to it. Okay. Now, as you had mentioned earlier that your three children are involved in the operation have you started the the transfer to the next generation or, or how's that process going um yes we've started that very much so and uh it's tough it's tough because uh not from a standpoint of what the family wants to do it's tough from my legality and tax Point of <laughs> yep. view. And, you know, I, I, I have a uh, tax specialist, of course, and uh, then I have a estate planner that I've used for quite a few years uh, for myself and several of my friends that unfortunately it has come in very handy with them because I've lost them. And uh, and then I have a, a, he's trying to retire. So I have a newer uh, trust attorney that we're starting to work with. And so that we're kind of transitioning between attorneys there. Yeah. And then I have my CFO who is in Florida. Uh, and then our business attorney who is in Little Rock, Arkansas. <laughs> and so trying to bring these folks together, you know, we had pretty much a year of circling emails. Well, this would work. Well, no, it won't. That's because of this, this, and this. Well, that'll work. And then the other one would pipe up and say, no, it won't because of this, this, and this. And I was like, you know, we're just not getting anywhere here. So I finally yeah. got all of them together in a room on our, on our, uh, at our home and uh, worked through things and have a a plan to move forward, but that was the only way to do it was just get everybody together in a room and hammer it out. And uh, yeah, yeah. So now yeah, we're getting the plan on on paper, so to speak. And uh, but yeah, it's you know, it's difficult if you don't have all those professionals together because uh, I've been involved in lots of succession plans and and you know I'll, I'll i'll go into a meeting i have a preconceived idea and then the attorney's there or cfp's there or whatever and after they start talking i'm like oh my plan was i'm not i won't say it's worthless but it no longer applies because they know something i didn't know so it's very important to have them all in the same room at the same time the ironic thing i invited my son-in-law um to the uh to the meeting and uh who's not directly involved in the business. He has his own business, but uh, he's certainly not a lawyer or tax attorney or anything like that. And he listened to them all for a while. And then he said, well, why won't this work? And he laid it all out and they all looked at each other and looked at him and said, yeah, I think that sounds like a doable plan. <laughs> and I've been playing the wrong guys here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This this one's almost free. So, uh, yeah. you know, and I'm going to underline the word almost. So, almost, uh, you know, but, yeah, yeah. but uh, you know, it, it is uh, surprise. Well, not surprising, but, uh, you know, people ask, well, should we have the in-laws in these meetings? And, 
and what I tell people, hey, if, if you just bring your kids in there and you're communicating to the kids um, and you don't have the in-laws in there, well, would you rather communicate directly to the in-laws what's happening or do you want your kids to go home and tell their spouses what you said and you know it's going to come out wrong at that point? So uh, right, right. I, I think yeah. it's almost always better to have the in-laws in there just to prevent that miscommunication at times. Sure. Well, and we're very blessed because we have a good son-in-law and a good daughter-in-law. My, my oldest uh, son, Chris, is, is married. My youngest son, Casey, is still holding out. So. Well, and I think my, my I have two older boys that are married, and I think my wife has told both of the wives that, hey, if you ever get divorced, we're going to keep you as the daughter-in-law. We're going to get rid of our boys. So, you know, that's, that's a good sign. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Well, I, I you know, I got a few, we're getting close to the end of the conversation, and we'll probably try to have another one maybe here in another six months or so. But uh, who who was your, who do you think your primary mentor was in helping you in your in, in your farm operation? Oh, it, hands down, it was my dad. I mean, yeah. he just had a terrific knowledge of, of how to get things done, how to get work done, and a terrific uh, work ethic. And uh, uh, he had a good personality, you know, and, uh, and he, he let me be me, though, too. Yeah. Uh, which is important, you know, uh, he, uh, he'd give me his opinion, but if I didn't want to go that way, it was okay. I mean, it, you know, it, it was, it was good. So hands down, it was him, but I, I've had a lot of different people that have mentored me through life, and, uh, still do. Uh, I appreciate it a lot. I'm, I'm a member of, uh, family farms outfit there out of Brighton, Illinois, which has changed their name to Uncommon Farms now. And I've, I've met a lot of uh, mentors in that operation as well. So good, uh, good. quite a blessing. Well, and, you know, and farming can, well, especially livestock farming can be sort of 24-7 with your size operation. It is a lot of uh, time involved, but do you have any type of hobbies? I mean, I guess maybe drinking bourbon is one of your hobbies, but uh, <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm going to say maybe there's another hobby floating around there. Well, I guess my hobbies would, would still take me back to agriculture. I mean, I just, I love uh, exploring new opportunities in agriculture. Uh, again, as my uh, as my kids take a more active role, it allows me time to do things like the bourbon deal. And also, uh, we're working on the, uh, myself and a few other people have started a company that will market um, and originate uh, various types of hemp and hemp products mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, for both human consumption, animal consumption, and uh, industrial consumption and um, that outfit is actually based in Texas so uh, that's kind of another hobby of mine so I, I'm I'm not I'm not much into sports and stuff like that I, I love watching other people fish okay. <laughs> if I have time to to uh, to fish I don't I don't want to do that I'd rather just watch my wife fish 
their uh, grandkids fish and stuff like that. And, uh, and uh, my hobby is improving land. I love to make land more productive, uh, fix issues with it, build ponds, build roads, and just make it more productive. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I those really are good enjoy hobbies. that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, people ask me because you know i've i've heard many times well paul you don't sleep do you and i go no i get i get my six or seven or eight hours of sleep and they go well you're doing this and doing that and i go well you know you just make time you know i i like to read i i i typically read 100 150 books a year and and people go how do you do that well i just make the time and and i i actually cruise pretty fast i read about 100 pages an hour that's just a nice cruising wow. speed for me so it only takes me two or three hours to read a book so um but you know you just and i like to play golf but i don't play it all the time i like to play because that's something i can do with my sons you know i'm uh, uh although they i think about once a year on my oldest son i luck out to uh, w beating him and i don't know how it happens but uh, it does happen once in a while so uh, i guess uh what what keeps you up at night well as mentioned before hurricane season <laughs> keeps me up at night uh, bad droughts <laughs> keep me up at night and uh, but the desire to as I, as I learn something new to do in the in the hobby area the desire to get up and work on that I mean I just I have a hard time shutting my brain down yeah or thinking about all these potential opportunities and uh, yeah. it's it's just it's just fun you know yeah. uh, what's the old saying if you enjoy what you do you'll never work a day in your life and I, it, I, I truly feel that way yeah yeah i'm i'm sort of the of same way so and then uh, yeah. finally kevin uh, what's your uh, definition of success in farming hmm. seeing uh seeing all the produce the products come together being able to have a good year and being able to improve your family's life and your employees life and also solve you know do good work for your for your landlords you know and making that land better and yeah uh, i uh i've always said that you know you get you get what land the good lord intends you to get so when he sends it my way um I, i'm gonna try to do my best to to make it better than it was when i got it yeah, yeah. and uh i've just always prayed that the land that i'm supposed to get i'll get and what i'm what he doesn't want me to have i won't get so i won't waste any time on it <laughs> that's and, uh, that's that, that's a good policy i think so uh yeah well yeah. i'm coming to the end of our conversation but i want to give you a chance to uh say anything else you want to say before uh before we sign off well i guess uh i just appreciate this opportunity and i look forward to to meeting uh many more people and developing some more friends at the top producer conference and, uh, Paul, I've met you today through this. And that's been a pleasure. And 
as we all uh, go along in life, just expand our friendships, expand our knowledge, and I uh, really look forward to that. And uh, gosh, aren't we blessed to live in a country where we can do that? Oh yeah, definitely, totally agree. So again, this is the uh, Farm CPA Podcast presented by Top um, by Top Producer. This is Paul Nee for your host, signing off. Oh,